Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. This episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com, build your own box of Built Bar flavors. Use promo code Locked On to get $10 off your first box of Built Bars at builtbar.com. Happy Monday to everybody. We are going to get into some of Matt Williamson's dynasty rankings for this 2020 rookie class, which I'm excited to get into. And um, by the way, you can find Matt at Williamson NFL on Twitter. You can find me at BD Peacock. You can find this podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps. Let a friend know about Locked On NFL and that their team is covered right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. So uh, Dynasty Football Rankings, Matt, your initial rankings post-draft now, and obviously these rankings take into consideration, big-time consideration, landing spot, where they were drafted. Uh, There's positional values that might be different than what you're looking for in the regular NFL universe. And also, it's much different than normal fantasy rankings, right? Because you're looking long-term at this thing. So I have some big questions for you about how you rank these guys and even how you rank positional value in dynasty football versus real football versus fantasy football. Yeah, and it's by far my favorite venue for fantasy because I feel like we should start from scratch and just kind of describe what dynasty even is. I mean, You keep your team year round and there's a lot of action throughout the season. There's obviously dead times, but you may get a trade offer in June or February or whatever. Right now, though, is when the rookie drafts happen. And what the rookie drafts are, are every year, you know, if you finished much like the NFL, if you finished last, you earned the one one. And some years that's Saquon Barkley, Zeke Elliott. I mean, like there's obvious picks that you everyone runs the table, gets their guy, and you have them forever or as, lo- or as long as you choose to keep them. I mean, there's many versions of different dynasty leagues with contracts and all that, but just keeping it pretty basic. Um, so my list is PPR, but it is not super flex. I'm starting to learn lean towards super flex as my favorite venue where you can you have to start one quarterback, but you can start two. Um, so that puts the value super high. And in super flex leagues, Burrow's the first pick overall. And Tua and Herbert all go in the top eight or nine. In it's these for, dynasty drafts. Just real quick, Matt, back that yeah. up for those who don't know. You said PPR. So that's points per reception. So that right, 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 skews right, things towards receivers. So you get a point for every reception. And, you know, running backs, if they catch a lot of passes, that makes the pass catching running backs more valuable than the old school plotters that uh, that don't really get involved in the passing game so much. And then super flex is just a normal flex position as you can play a running back, a wide receiver, a tight end or whatever. Super flex means you can also play a quarterback in that slot. So that means you can start two quarterbacks instead of one. So I just want to get that out of the way too. Yeah, I'm glad you did because sometimes I graze over these things like I assume everybody knows. So in a super flex, it's obviously quarterbacks score much more than running backs and receivers week to week. And they have very low floors or very high floors. So you get Burrow for the next 12 years or whatever, if he's a top 10 to 15 quarterback, that's a great pick for you. So it makes it a little bit more like the real world. But this list is not super flex. So you're not going to hear Burrow or Tua's name for quite some time because in the real world of Dynasty, it's hard to trade quarterbacks. I mean, you can go pick up Phillip Rivers for a rookie draft third round pick this year. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of guys out there. So it really changes the value of the quarterback position. And you'll see, I mean, 
people know this draft class is not strong at tight end. And my top 25 players are all running backs and wide receivers. Matt, does does it being a dynasty league and being that you can get a great quarterback and they can play until they're 40, does that make a dynasty quarterback more valuable than a fantasy, a regular yearly fantasy quarterback where we see a lot of quarterbacks really fall in the draft and some people don't even start drafting quarterbacks until, you know, round eight? There is some logic behind that. I'm not a believer. Like, I remember when luck came out. I mean, super prospect. And then people in rookie drafts were like, why wouldn't I just take Andrew Luck at 1-1, play him every day until he's 40, and that maybe it's a bad example because he didn't play until he's 40, right. and never worry about that position again. And I get that, but my, my point is, year to year, you can piece together Carr, Rivers, Big Ben, Breeze. I mean, like old dudes that are still putting up big numbers, you can get for the 20th pick in your rookie draft, as opposed to using one, one. That being said, there was a league I'm in. I'm in seven dynasty leagues. There's a league I'm in that I won it like two years ago. I had like AB and Gronk in their prime. I had a really good team. And I went into last year saying it's got to be rebuild time. And that's actually the most fun thing about dynasty is boy. I mean, my season's not going well. I'm going to trade my old guy guys for picks or, Boy, I'm in. The, I'm six and one. I'll trade you next year's first for a really good running back that only have two years left. So there's a lot of logic to that too. For example, I just traded one minute ago. I traded Keenan Allen for Deontay Johnson and a next year first, and I threw in a third rounder next year too. My team was starting to get a little old, and I need to keep replenishing those draft picks. But anyway, I forget where I was going with that. <laughs> no, it's it's hilarious too because right before we hit record, Matt's like, "Hold on, I gotta sit, I gotta uh, accept this fantasy or this dynasty trade." And that's what's cool about right. dynasty leagues is it goes year round, and there's and it makes for a lot more trades because something you wouldn't normally do in a regular fantasy league, you might be sitting here in May not doing anything, not even really prepping for your fantasy league. Whereas the Matt Williamsons of the world, if you're playing dynasty, you've got trades to talk about, and for you, you want to get younger, so you add a draft pick, get a nice good young player with high upside, and you. You trade the veteran to somebody who might be trying to go into win now mode and wants that early or wants that, you know, that payoff now and might be willing to sacrifice a younger player in a draft pick. Yeah. And it's very much a Patriots approach for me is I would much rather trade a player a year too early than a year too late because you'll yeah. get guys on your roster that you can't give away that. I mean, you can start them in fantasy, but they're just clog up your roster after a while. Like, Adrian Peterson. No one's going to give you anything for Adrian Peterson for three years running now. You know, those type of deals. Oh, where I was going with that team that I had AB and Gronk and those guys, AJ Green, that was all on my championship team. So I was going to totally rebuild. This goes back to that quarterback conversation. I end up winning the league this year because I had Michael Thomas and Lamar. <laughs> you know, like going into the draft, going into the, the, the season, I'm like, I'm going to keep Michael Thomas. He's worth a lot. Um, I have this Lamar Jackson guy I'm pretty high on. I didn't use a super high pick on him. But I had those two and some adequate starters, and I end up winning the league even though I planned on rebuilding. So having a stud quarterback certainly has value, Lamar, Mahomes. But I'm more of basically piece together the quarterback position and be strong everywhere else. It's also amazing how many different scoring formats and yeah. uh, position group formats and, and you know how many starters you have you can go deep how many players are in your league 
Uh, it can really affect depth, and it can also affect quarterbacks. I play in a 16-team league where people might be looking a little bit harder for quarterbacks because it's not as easy because you're, you're 32 starters. You've got sure. one starter, one backup on every roster. And now all of a sudden quarterback starts to get a little bit more thin. That's another way to do it instead of uh, super flex. If you want quarterbacks to be more valuable, just have more teams. Um, and quarterbacks can score a lot of points too. If you do have a really good quarterback versus a, a team with bad quarterbacks. Um, there's another format that I've heard of in dynasty leagues before we get to your rankings here uh, that that is interesting to me. And, as you would probably guess in dynasty football leagues, uh, one team can start to get pretty stacked and start to really dominate sure. uh, a league. Do you have any build a dynasty, build a dynasty, right? Thus yeah. the dynasty league. Do you have anything built into any of your leagues? I've heard somewhere if a, uh, if a team goes back to back to back or something like that, then it's, it just completely wipes out the entire league. And if someone three peats, then all of a sudden everybody goes back into the pool and everybody starts from scratch the following year. No, I, I, I have seen those. I mean, we talked about this before. I host another podcast called Dynasty Blueprint. And so we've had on so many guests and I've heard of so many crazy leagues. So I think that's not uncommon. I'm not in any of those. But it, it made me think of something, a league that I'm in. And if, I meant to say it's the beginning of the show. A big reason we're doing this show now is most rookie drafts are either about to take place or in the middle of taking place. It usually happens right after the NFL draft. So this is tis the season for it, but usually what happens if you're not in a dynasty startup, if you and 11 buds or whatever, don't decide, let's try dynasty. We'll start it together. Usually somebody orphans a team. Like I can't do this anymore. I'm getting out. And so I got called actually this league that's next weekend is my draft. And I took over the stinkiest of stinky teams, but for three <laughs> years in a row, I had the first pick overall no, I had two first picks overall and then a really high pick. And I went Gurley, Zeke, McCaffrey, <laughs> you know, three years in a row. Right. And it's like, and then I went 16 and 0 that year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> it, there is some rough years, you know, we call it the productive struggle that, you know, you're punting on the season, but it doesn't mean all's lost. I mean, Someone that was had a really rough year and drafted Saquon Barkley first overall has a major ace in their hand for you know, they could trade him for three first round picks or you know really take over. All right. Well, with that said, let's uh, let's get to Matt Williamson's dynasty rankings rookie class 2020. Folks, I want to tell you about the Built Bar. You maybe haven't heard of them yet, but trust me, you're going to hear about them a lot because they're a new sponsor on the Locked On Network. They sent me a box the other day, and the box is gone. My family just crushed it. So they're going to be a popular thing in the Williamson household. I think you need to check them out, too. They're they're tasty. I mean, my kids honestly don't care about the, the wonderful uh, you know, attributes that's making their bodies. They just want to eat good stuff. And it, it's a protein bar that really does taste like a candy bar. It comes in 16 amazing flavors. Eight of them are chocolate and nut flavors, and the other eight are chocolate and nut-free flavors. We know a lot of people have allergies and whatnot. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and trust me, around here, my family, especially my wife, is they're chocolate connoisseurs, and they certainly approve. It's soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy. Lose or maintain weight, weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, but it doesn't taste that way, trust me. Um, here's the flavor flavor profile, like a peanut butter brownie one has 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, only three grams of sugar, 
three grams of net carbs. Um, the mint brownie one is 15 grams of protein, only 110 calories, four grams of sugars, five grams of net carbs. So folks do this, go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on all one word, and you'll get $10 off your first order promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. So, Matt, do wide receivers have more value? We talked about quarterbacks. Do wide receivers have more value than running backs? Who is your number one player? Is it a wide receiver in this top-heavy receiver class, or is it a running back where we didn't see a running back go until the very last pick of round one? It's funny because there was a very long-standing philosophy that I bought into that you build your team with a ton of receivers because there's so many of them. And the key is they last a long time. You know, I mean, if you would pick whoever, you draft a new Copkins in his rookie draft, and you're just enjoying the fruits of that labor. You know, I mentioned Thomas earlier. That if you get three or four of those guys, you truly can start them for eight years in a row with Thomas Hopkins and Devontae Adams. And those guys wouldn't have been insanely high rookie picks. But much like redraft, lately – it's been running backs. They're just such a premium. There's just not enough of them to go around. And it's kind of the opposite of the NFL in that, you know, running backs are sort of dime a dozen. They fall in the draft. But in fantasy, if you can get a true workhorse, like I mentioned, I started McCaffrey, Zeke, and Gurley in his prime for a couple of years in a row. I mean, you're really hard to beat. So this year's rookie class, to me, does not have a – run to the podium, Zeke, Saquon, no-brainer, any year, first overall pick. But every draft I've been a part of, and my list has five running backs at the top, just because they're all, because of the position they play. It's hard to start quality running backs week to week in fantasy. With that said, uh, and it's a PPR league, so you're we're talking PPR draft here, points per reception, I'm guessing it's one of those backs that's pretty good out of the backfield catching passes that is your number one rookie pick in Dynasty Leagues this year. Yes, and obviously this is a combination of landing spot, talent, what I think their usage will be. This doesn't mean they're my favorite player if I was a GM, but Edwards Hilaire in Kansas City gets the nod over Jonathan Taylor for exactly the reason you mentioned. I mean, I think Taylor sets up really well and will go right past Mac before you know it behind a great O-line, but he just doesn't catch passes nearly to the degree I expect Edwards Hilaire to. And that Chiefs offense, I mean, if they put up 30 to 40 points, 30 to 50 points a week, Edwards Hilaire doesn't need to touch the ball all that often to be highly effective. So 1.1 is Clyde Edwards Hilaire. It's interesting because these top running backs none of them have a really clear path to being like, okay, here's the guy in this offense. Every team has somebody that you could say, oh man, this running back might actually have to show up and be the number two guy for a while. And usually the top running backs in the draft, it's like, okay, they're going to show up day one and be the top running back on their NFL team. Right. Again, a lot of years, there's a, a an easier number one that just stands alone. Again, Zeke comes to mind, Gurley, those type of guys. And frankly, I don't think there's a whole lot of difference between the 1-1 one, one and the 1-5 this year, maybe as far as the 1-7. Like, getting the 1-1 one, one this year, to me, was not a grand prize as it usually is. And if you could trade it to get a lot, I would be all years. 
I was just going to say this. This is one of those years where you don't even feel bad picking seventh versus first. I think, and and actually, I want to I want to highlight that top seven that you have on your list that I'm looking at here. We mentioned Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Kansas City Chiefs running back number one, uh, Jonathan Taylor number two overall for you running back who was drafted in round two by the Indianapolis Colts. Then we have J.K. Dobbins, Baltimore Ravens running back number three overall. Cam Akers running back that was drafted also in round two by the Los Angeles Rams. And then number five for you is Detroit Lions running back DeAndre Swift. And uh, that's the top five. So uh, Lions drafted Swift also in round two. So different order than they were drafted in the NFL draft. And then you have the top two receivers in this class on most people's boards for the NFL draft. They're your top two here. Jerry Judy comes in at six overall as your wide receiver one obviously drafted in round one by the Denver Broncos, and then C.D. Lamb drafted by the Dallas Cowboys, number 17 overall. He's your number seven pick. I think that's the clear top tier in this dynasty class. And for someone like C.D. Lamb, it's tough because you draft him seven here, but I would have no problem if if someone even drafted him number one overall in dynasty leagues because year two, year three, he might be the top point score out of this class, but year one is going to be a little bit more difficult, which is why he's probably seven overall. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly the way of thinking about it. One seven is not that much different than one one. One other note I wanted to mention that in rookie drafts, I don't care at all about need. I'm just taking the most valuable player there's so many trades. If I need a quarterback, I'll find one. If I need a running back, I'll find one. I got a lot of time between now and opening day. So I want the best value. And again, there's not much difference between Edwards Hilaire and Lamb, who could be war- I mean, he could be a wide receiver one for eight of the next 10 years. I'm looking at those running backs in the top five. Again, you have Edwards Hilaire, Taylor, Dobbins, Akers, Swift. I think maybe Cam Akers has the best opportunity of those in year one to go big, but I don't know if I I feel the best about him with the Rams going forward and being the guy year two, year three that has the most points, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if Akers leads that group in points as a rookie. And similarly with, with the wide receivers, I think it's clear in fantasy leagues and in dynasty leagues, Jerry Judy is going to be number one, not only because I have him as my top wide receiver, but I just like the fit and I like his opportunity both short and long-term in Denver. Yeah. And Judy versus Lamb was tough for me, but it came down to me thinking he was the better NFL prospect. You know, kind of like you said, Akers, I need to go to you know my bookie and see what the odds are. Because I think he's going to be a nice value bet to be offensive rookie of the year. I mean, I think he's going to get a ton of touches. I think that line's better than people think. But to me, the guy that might be, you know, being sold a little short is Dobbins at three. I mean, Ingram is fine. But from a year from now, will Ingram even be on the team? Will Dobbins be the lead back in a Lamar-led run-heavy offense and be a top-five type running back? I don't think you have to squint too hard to see that. Yeah, that's what's interesting about this class is because Edward Tolaire and Jonathan Taylor might share their backfield a little bit longer. I could easily see in year two, it's the it's the J.K. Dobbins show in Baltimore or it's the Cam Akers yeah. show in L.A. or the DeAndre Swift show in Detroit, even though early I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult because they have a really good running back there. But the current regime didn't draft that running back. And I wonder if there might be, you know, um, th- th- there might be a situation where there's a trade for the Lions and then DeAndre Swift is the guy, and he's also a really good passing down back, too. So very interesting group in in how you sort of slice and dice this top five running backs. It's really hard to feel super confident saying this is the this is the guy. Yeah, you kind of just want one to fall to you. And 
could carry on, get traded tomorrow, and then Swift would go to number one almost, maybe. Right. You know, I have a oh, fifth, yeah. but that's enough. You're right. I'd put with, I'd put Swift at one, and I'd put Swift at one easily if Carryon Johnson got yeah. uh, traded tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm holding that against him in this ranks, temporarily sure. at least. Yeah. And what's interesting along those lines is I know we're not there yet, but Keyshawn Vaughn is my 12th ranked rookie, and most people have him even higher because he fell into a golden nest of opportunity. Mm. My worry is, and I said this from the, like he could be on my redraft team. I've said this from the start that I think Vaughn will lead the bucks in rushing. And everyone's probably like, well, shouldn't he be right there with Swift and those guys? But my thoughts are also, we know how this league works. He may have a real good rookie year. And then a year from now, the bucks use a second round pick on a running back. Actually, a great example of that is now look at Devin Singletary in Buffalo, and then they just come back and draft Zach Moss in round three there. So now you thought, okay, I've got a perfect path to a guy being an every down back, and now it's like, oh no, now it's a timeshare again. So how far down is Zach Moss on your list here of running backs? Yeah, it's interesting you brought up Singletary, because if we did this show a year ago, and I'm sure you can find a dynasty blueprint where these words came out of my mouth, I said, boy, I like the landing spot for Singletary in Buffalo. But I bet they draft the power back next year, and we're not going to like him quite as much. You know, I mean, this is how the league works. Yeah. Okay. And- so that, that is a great point about Keyshawn Vaughn here. Why you temper the expectations, and you have him ranked twelve overall, which is your sixth running back. But there's a whole group of wide receivers before you Tons. get to twelve overall. Uh, let's let's uh, hold on for a second. We'll get to that group of wide receivers and how you broke them up between six and eleven. Then we'll run through some of these rankings a little bit quicker. Matt Williamson's dynasty football rookie rankings for 2020. Okay, we've got, again, for those, we, we've kind of jumped around here. Let's just break it back down again. 1.1 is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire running back for Kansas City Chiefs. Colts running back Jonathan Taylor, 2. Ravens running back J.K. Dobbins, 3. Cam Akers running back for the Los Angeles Rams, 4. DeAndre Swift. Lions running back, 5 overall in Matt's dynasty rankings. Then we have a group of wide receivers. 6 is Jerry Judy, 7 is C.D. Lamb, then 8 9, 10, and 11 is Jalen Rager, Michael Pittman, Justin Jefferson, and Brandon Ayuk. How did you come to the conclusion on that group of wide receivers? And and that's splitting hairs a little bit. I don't think most people have Rager and Pittman at 8 and 9. I'm doing everything possible to land those two. I mean, I, I, I don't think they have a lot of long-term competition to be their number one receiver on their respective team. I mean, T.Y. Hilton's starting to break down. Rivers loves those huge, big physical receivers. That's going to be a run-first team that wants big people at that position. You know, the Eagles bypassed a guy like Jefferson to take Rager. Uh, I think he he was one of my favorites coming out. I think his landing spot is perfect. Jefferson scares me a little, and I've said this before, too. Like, I could see the Vikings using a first or second-round pick on a receiver next year. I mean, an outside-type guy. So most people have Jefferson 8. I have him 10, which I would – not going to cry if I get him at 110. And your boy Ayuk, we've talked about a lot on here. For now, at least, I like him better for the real world than I do fantasy. You know, I mean, there's a lot of mouths to feed there. He's a work in progress. Debo's a little bit similar. Love Ayuk, but uh, it's going to be a while until he's catching 80 balls. Right. And 
I think early is why you wait on Ayuk, and if you get a value on him, you draft him, and you probably don't start him a lot early in his rookie season in your in your dynasty lineup. But then you know years two and year three, then maybe you have that breakout player. So I'm fine with where you have Brandon Ayuk here, and it's kind of opposite for Justin Jefferson. He might get in play a lot early. I don't know if he has as much upside though. So th- those guys are yeah, kind of opposites there. Uh, here's a big one though because we haven't talked about Henry Ruggs yet. You have him all the way down at 13 overall after uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, another running back popping in there, and then another group of wide receivers here why Henry Ruggs at 13 when he was the first wide receiver drafted and it would seem that he has a clear path to a lot of playing time in Las Vegas yeah and a lot most people have him ahead of Pittman and Rager and certainly Ayuk I think he's another one that's better for the real world than he is fantasy I mean I just I'm not saying he's Deshaun Jackson or Ted Ginn I think he's more well-rounded than those guys but I also think there's going to be a lot of days where he has two catches, three catches, four targets, you know, that I think he influences those around him more than he generates fantasy numbers. And Derek Carr is not a real deep passer, you know, so I do think he'll catch slants and bubble screens and things, but that's not how you score huge fantasy points either. Right. So I think he'll he'll be a big play weapon in that offense. And I don't know if the fit with Derek Carr is great to have huge returns early and it's a PPR league, so he doesn't really profile as that target right. hog receiver in the NFL, even if he's really good. Um, there's a couple of comps. You mentioned the the Deshaun comp, uh, the Deshaun Johnson, Jackson comp for Henry Ruggs, yep. and that one's not bad at all. I mean, if he's Deshaun Jackson, he's a huge fantasy sure. guy as well. But uh, Joey Galloway is an interesting one that that I came up with a few weeks ago when I was thinking, okay, who's the closest player that really resembles this guy? And I was thinking, okay, height, weight, speed, oh. You got to go back a little bit further, Joey Galloway, and then uh, recently it was brought to my attention. Guess who coached Joey Galloway and John Gruden did? So uh, interesting there mm, with Henry nice. Ruggs uh, as a potential player that um, John Gruden might be envisioning the way he uses him in his offense. Okay, after Ruggs at thirteen, you've got uh, th- this other group of four wide receivers here. After Ruggs is T. Higgins, Denzel Mims, Lavisca Chenault, and then a couple more running backs. So um, if you want to talk about any of these guys here through your 15th or 16th ranked players. Do you have any big thoughts on, on Higgins, Mims, and Chenault and how you broke up that group? You're you're the guy that keeps us on the track, so i got to ask you this question real quick. Should I tell my Joey Galloway story? Because I love that comp you just said. <laughs> and maybe we finish this tomorrow with one segment and wrap it up, or should we bu- try to buzz through it and knock it out today? I want to. I can't not hear that Joey Galloway story now. Let's right. pause. Okay, Henry Ruggs is is ranked 13 overall. Let's hear your Joey Galloway story. See how much time and and yeah, we can I get back into this tomorrow. We have all off season to talk about this stuff. So okay, Joey exactly. Galloway, let's Spread go. Um, I was a recruiting assistant at Pitt for three years, and Buddy Morris was our strength coach for the first two. He's kind of a Pittsburgh legend. He's now the Cardinal strength coach. The last year, Dave Kennedy came over from Ohio State to be our strength coach at Pitt. And those Ohio State teams were Eddie George, Galloway, Springs. I mean, not much different than today in terms of powerhouse, but big-time star Orlando Pace. I mean, like big-time stars. So a big thing that I did, obviously, was kids would come visit. We'd take them to show them the academic coordinators, the medical facilities, go down and do 20 minutes chatting with our strength coach. And he had this video that all his Ohio State guys did. Like a big thing Dave really wanted was burst. He wanted big people to explode off the ball. He wanted receivers to show that extra gear, that running back, the stop, start, boom, burst. I mean, he was all about burst. 
and had these awesome videos. It was like the the all-star team of his time at Ohio State because all those guys would come back and train every year. And all those guys, I mean, like I mentioned, Springs and George and Terry Glenn, awesome first-round picks, all bowed down to Joey. Joey was the freak amongst freaks. And, you know, uh, you'd watch these drills and they'd be testing all these different bursts and jumps and one-legged things. And he was just blowing everybody away. And it's funny because the other thing that happened is once – you know, what, and then Dave came to pit. There was a week a year that Eddie George and those guys came and used pitch facility during the downtime. So I was there and I'd watch them and talk to those guys. And you bring up Joey Galloway and they all just stopped. Like, yeah, he's the best. You know, like competitive guys did not like to admit that, but it was obvious. <laughs> yeah. And he's one of those that and I don't know what his official 40 time was. I don't know if he even ran at the combine. Uh, but he's one of those that was rumored that someone on somebody's stopwatch, it's like 419, right? Or 417 right. or something like that. But a legitimate 4-2 guy and height, weight, that not not too different from where Henry Ruggs is. So uh, I, that's not actually a bad comp. I like that one a lot. He had amazing years very late, late. in life yeah. with Gruden at Tampa, too. Yeah. I mean, he's a freak. Interesting career for him because it was sort of up and down. It went in Seattle, and then he had some really good years early, and then it, there was a plateau, and then boom, he had this huge in his thirties, still like running by dudes, and and he developed you know more skill and had a nice offense and uh, a coach that would pump him the ball. So yeah, wild career looking at Joey Galloway and seeing how he had that resurgence later in his career with Gruden. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a, a freak among freaks. So I, I think Rugs has some of those qualities. I like that you threw that out there. It's the first I heard it. But Joey didn't always make your fantasy team happy either. <laughs> right. He'll have the big week <laughs> and then the two catches for 27-yard weeks. Yep. I've heard Greg Cosell compare Michael Pittman to Michael Thomas. And I'm not, that's crazy in the fantasy world. But a year from now, I think Pittman could be a 85 reception type guy. I can see that. One thing I don't like about it, and, and usually the Dynasty guys are really good at, at finding uh, – ways to break down prospects that isn't necessarily watching film. And one of those is breakout age. Someone like yep. um, Michael Pittman does not do well in breakout age because he's an older guy. One of the older receivers in this class, 23 years old, and he didn't really have big numbers until he was a senior. Does that weigh at all for you? It does. I, I mean, again, I've learned a lot from fantasy and dynasty people with th those type of metrics, those type of gauges. And it's a red flag. But I, I love his landing spot. Even if Rivers doesn't last, I trust the organization. And I just don't see much in the way of competition long term. There's a lot of rookies that are valuable in dynasty leagues, might be valuable in some fantasy leagues. And uh, it's a deep class of wide receivers. So there's a ton to talk about here. So let's break this up and, and finish it up tomorrow. Um, I just want to finish up this top 16 here that we'd kind of talked about. So Ruggs yeah. 13, T. Higgins 14, Mims 15, LaVisca Chenault 16 overall. And I think there might be a little bit of a line just looking at this to yes, me. And, and you is. didn't tell me this, but I feel like that's an, that's sort of a tear there, a teardrop after 16 and LaVisca Chenault. Do you have a, a really good feeling about any of those guys? Is there uh, Ruggs, Higgins, Mims, Chenault? Do you want one of them to fall to you if you were picking late in round two, say? I don't love them. That's why they're at the bottom of that tier. I think all have a lot of upside. I very much think that the Bengals starting receivers a year from now will be Boyd and Higgins and Ross and Green will be gone. That's pretty enticing to grow with what I think is going to be mm. a potentially elite quarterback. 
Um, he didn't test super well either, but I think his landing spot's pretty nice. Mims was my favorite by far. I mean, if I had did pre-draft rookie ranks, he would be like eight. But I think we can't ignore that he fell. Um, I do think he'll be one of the three starters for New York, though, and, and play that Anderson role. Lastly, Chenault, I hate the landing spot, even though there's not a lot of competition. And I think he's the hardest just to wrap your head around what he is and what his usage will be. But I love the player. And he's banged up, so that usually doesn't yeah. bode well for jumping in as a rookie. And all of these wide receivers might take a little bit of time because now a truncated rookie offseason doesn't help any of these guys either. So running backs, we might see jump in and play a little bit more early than some of the rookie wide receivers. So something else to think about in your rookie drafts. But I like the way you put that with T. Higgins because he's with a quarterback that throws a really beautiful deep ball, not afraid to let his wide receivers go make a play. And that's what Higgins is best at doing. So it might not show up in year one, but year two, year three, look out. Higgins might be a really big producer with Joe Burrow in that Cincinnati offense once Ross and A.J. Green are gone. Yeah, and they retired after day one, spent the night thinking about it, took him in the first pick of day two. I mean, they they have a plan for the guy. Absolutely. Okay, we'll break down picks. Uh, let's see, rankings 17 through, uh, we go all the way through 40 or 50 here. You got a ton of guys listed here. We'll get a little bit deeper into Matt Williamson's dynasty rankings Tuesday right here. Locked on NFL.